Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marchlina. I'm joined once again by Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing good, Joe. How about you? I am hanging in there. I'm I'm uh, I'm a little melancholy. You know, the the end of football season will do that to you, I, I suppose, because uh, we are. Yeah, I, I am too. It's that, and I think it's it's the fact that I probably still have undigested turkey dinner <laughs> <laughs> because I ate so much this weekend. <laughs> but uh, but yeah yeah, it's starting to. Uh, it, that's it, right? I mean, we've got this, and we've got the the closeout show. Yeah. We are, we are, uh, well, no more games, uh, no more games to go to. So, yeah, it is uh, officially the end of football season, but we are, we are not quite done. We've got uh, one more show after, after this week. Uh, so you can still send questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Sports. And you can listen to the show Tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com or... Uh, Kind of a, a a special announcement to make here, Mike. Uh, so I was um, the the site that we use to host the 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 podcast. Uh, um, they it updated a few weeks ago, and I was going in and messing around with the settings on it, and I found uh, there were options to post the the podcast in some other uh, formats or or in other places, I guess. Uh, so as of uh, I don't know, I guess a couple weeks ago, because I forgot to look until last week. Um, you can now listen to the Ninth State Sports Show on Spotify or Odyssey. Uh, where, you know, so truly, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you can listen to us. And not only can you listen to like our, our recent shows here, um, you can go back and listen to all of the shows, uh, every single show that we've posted, which uh, kind of brings me to another uh, big announcement too, uh, including this podcast that we're doing right now. There's 200 episodes up there uh, to listen to. It says 198 because I screwed up the, the counting at some point. I duplicated <laughs> a number two weeks in a row twice, uh, which is, you know, I mean, if you know me, that's probably, that probably makes a lot of sense. Uh, but this is, <laughs> this is going to say well, that, it's episode. That's a huge deal, Joe. I mean, it's like I said to you before we went on. I said, hey, if you had told me this was 200, I would have suggested we do something special. You know, I don't know. Uh, I go, won't, go somewhere we'll, like we used to in the old days and do it, or we'll save, I don't know, we'll have save some that, save that for the wrap up show next week. So I, I guess that's a, an invitation. To anyone out there that doesn't mind having us two knuckleheads uh, taking up a booth uh, in your restaurant or bar for I don't know an hour or two next Monday? <laughs> yeah, uh, give us a give us a or drop us a line here. But yeah, so so yeah, you can um, you can listen to the Ninth State Sports Show on either uh, Spotify or Odyssey. Just go in and uh, as of right now, the um, I'm going to try to post something on the site. Um, to make it a little easier, but if you go in and search Ninth State Sports Show, uh, it comes right up. Surprisingly, there are not any other podcasts called uh, the Ninth State Sports Show. So, was, <laughs> right, uh, <that> <laughs> you don't have to worry about the trademark quite yet. <laughs> not, no, not yet. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that was kind of exciting and and pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know if uh, anyone else thinks that, but uh, I did. Uh, I thought it was cool. I think that's great. All right, well, uh, uh, enough of that. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to take a moment here to tell you about our sponsor. The presenting sponsor of the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of The Bean Group. The real estate market has cooled just like the New England fall weather. Interest rates have risen dramatically the last few months, and there could be more increases in the future. Many experts say we may never return to those historical low rates we've had over the last few years. Now is traditionally a slow time in real estate, heading into the holidays and winter, it's time to plan ahead for 2023. Take the time now to connect with Roger Howe from the Bean Group. 
Whether you are a buyer or a seller, let Roger's many years of experience guide you with a plan on what your next steps should be when the market heats back up after the first of the year. He knows your local market. Contact Roger at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger.howe at beangroup.com. Uh, one other thing I want to want to mention, too, before we get started. Uh, found out yesterday uh, some uh, unfortunate news uh, about a uh, local football coach, uh, former lacrosse coach, Nashua South, uh, Bill Monson, someone who've... Uh, known for quite a while and, and, and had the fortune to work with in this in this job for quite a while. Uh, he um, sadly had a, a heart attack on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, and it's from what it sounds like, he was, uh, you know, doctors were able to uh, save him, uh, but he's got a long road to recovery uh, in front of him. And um, wanted to mention that there is, it has been a GoFundMe page set up for, for Coach Monson. Uh, I've shared it on both Twitter and Facebook if you want to check that out. Uh, maybe help out him and his, his family, uh, him and his wife and his, his young son. Um, but just uh, devastating news to hear uh, yesterday, uh, Sunday morning, I should say. And um, uh, just very scary and, and, and glad to hear that, um, that he's still with us and, and sending out thoughts and, and uh, love for Coach Monson. Hopefully he's uh, on the road to recovery real soon. Yeah, Joe, thank you so much for mentioning that. I, I worked with Coach Munson um, several years. We, we used to do an annual camp uh, over at Nashua South that was put on by the uh, – it was sort of sponsored by the National Guard and the NFL. Um, it was called the HSPD, the High School Player Development Camp, and I've, I've got like a ton of swag and stuff from doing that camp. Geez, I probably did it five, six, seven years. You know, we did it while I was at Hollis Brookline. And I think we did it uh, – well, I was at Sauhegan as well, so I was there for several years. And uh, it, the the running back position group, which was the group that I coached when I was doing this camp, was myself, Coach Munson, and actually Coach Bill Raycraft, formerly of Wyndham High School. So we had a really good group, and we were all there every year. So we all got to know each other really well. And, you know, we all had different personalities, so, so we worked that group really – you know, we had a lot of fun together. And Coach Munson has a huge personality – um, he's, he's always joking around with the guys and, and making things light. And I know that he's been a staple in the, the New Hampshire football community for a long time over there at South as the backs coach and the offensive coordinator. Um, so he's a good guy. He's got a young family, anything anybody can do, whether it's just sending good thoughts, prayers, um, contributing, whatever it is, is helpful. Um, Absolutely, you know, yeah. I, I just, I, it's unfathomable, but, uh, I'm glad that he's he's on the road to being okay. Yeah, um, yeah, unfathomable is a great great way to put it. I was stunned um, when I saw that, and um, you know, he's like I said, he worked with him a long time doing this in this role. Uh, really was was sad to see him uh, depart as the the South uh, Lacrosse coach, um, but for for you know understandable reasons, wanting to spend more time with his family. And, um, you know, you know, glad that he'll he'll still have that opportunity and, and uh, again, wishing him a, uh, the best uh, that he can in, in, in this recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Bill always has a smile on his face. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but he just he loves being <laughs> yeah. around the kid. Always, always smiling, always in a jovial mood. Um, wish him the best. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we've got uh, 
you know, initially, I think we, we said we were going to have uh, one game to talk about today, but we're, but we're, we've also got a couple of Thanksgiving games that ended up uh, taking place, and uh, just want to mention them briefly, um, you know, before we get into the Division One championship game. Uh, you know, the, the one uh, that we were really glad to see come back, that Memorial Central uh, Turkey Bowl, um, you know, played Thanksgiving morning. Uh, oh, you know what? Of course, I forgot to pull the the score of that game up in front of me. Uh, Mike, you got it. <laughs> you have that one in front of you. Yeah, I, I do. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the article right now. It was, uh, and of course now I'm I'm paging to f- up to find the actual That's score because I was yeah. down towards the bottom. But it was a 14 to seven little you. green win over um, over Memorial. Yeah. So I and and from if I'm not mistaken, that was what Central's 700th like program win. I, I think I saw. Yeah, I didn't see that in the article. You had mentioned that to me, so I'll, yeah. I'll put that in the bank. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, was, I think that's correct. Well, it was on? Tw- I think it was on Twitter. So I mean, that's got to that's that's like rock solid. Then yeah, I, <laughs> you can you can bank on that then, especially, right? <laughs> especially these days. Right. It um, reminds me of my kids who give me all these inane facts. And I'm always like, where did you hear that? And they're like, no, no, Dad, it was on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, well, it was on YouTube. <laughs> well, well, somebody associated with the with the central program could shoot us a note if, if, and, and verify that. But if that's the case, uh, that, that's what a special deal to get that win over your rival in front of uh, seven or eight hundred people at the Turkey Bowl in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Um, and great to see that they were able to, to, to play. I know they weren't, you know, th- with with the changes to Division One uh, this year, they were, you know, Memorial and Central were split up, put in different conferences, didn't play each other in the regular season. So glad that they were able to get this game in uh, and and play each other. Um, any thoughts on that game, or did you, you know, you mentioned that, that you'd you'd read up a little bit about it. Um, you know, anything? Yeah, a, a couple things. One, I think, I think. Coach Ray and Coach Sturgis both seem pretty proud of the, the their team's performances. And, you know, it's interesting because both of those teams came in with identical records at 2-7, and seven, I think. Um, but I had seen both of the teams, both Central and Memorial, play various opponents through the course of the year. Um, I think I had seen Memorial win a Cunnet, or maybe, no, maybe it was Memorial Spalding. Um, I had seen... Memorial Dover, and I had seen Central play a couple different teams. The one that sticks out is is um, Concord, but I know I've seen them more than once as well. And you know, honestly, both of those teams, I I, I really thought this. Both of those teams played better than than you would initially think looking at a two and six or two and seven right. record. Yeah. Um, I thought that both teams were were talented. They they were obviously a little young and inexperienced, and you know, at times kind of scrapping and scraping for things, but they had, they had moments or they had dimensions to their teams, both of them that were really good. Um, you know, and the outlook for central is, is interesting, right? Um, the quarterback is a sophomore, Caden Salve. Um, and, and he, he, you know, he came on, I don't, I don't think he was the quarterback for the whole season, uh, but he's only a sophomore and he came on strong kind of at the end of the season here, played a great game, uh, out there on defense and offense with a pick um, and, and a couple of really good passes. So, you know, bright future for them, hopefully, and Memorial, kind of same thing, right? Like, you know, they've been building slowly, but it, it's very obvious to anybody who knows football, um, 
that Memorial is not, you know, just sort of a bottom feeder team. You know, I mean, yeah, they lost a bunch of games this year, but they, a lot of them were close, tightly contested, well-played, well-coached games. Um, and so I, I, I'm glad that these two teams got to play. It's a great tradition. It really hurt that this was shut down for a little while. Yeah. I'm glad they found their way back to it. I hope it continues um, because I think it does. I think it really does spark your programs too. You know, you go out there on that, you know, win or lose, you're playing an emotional game on a great day in front of family and friends and stuff. And, uh, and, and I, 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 I like to see, I think Manchester being good at football is good for New Hampshire football. Absolutely. Yeah. I really think that. And I think that both of these programs are on a good trajectory um, and, and I was excited that they got to play again, quite frankly. Yeah, very, very gr- glad to see that happen. Um, yeah, and then hopefully that one does continue. Or and, 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 you know, we'll see hopefully a couple other games maybe pop back up uh, now that we're, you know, feels like we're on the other side of, uh, of the pandemic. Um, yep. You know, the other game, uh, kind of a, a last second, I, I shouldn't say kind of, it was a last second <laughs> uh, addition to the schedule. You had Winnicott going down to Lowell. After uh, a Lowell uh, ended up losing its Thanksgiving game against Haverhill because of a uh, hazing scandal at, at, at Haverhill, they they for or they canceled the rest of their season, including the Thanksgiving game. So Lowell was uh, looking for a team to play when Conant stepped up, uh, and uh, I you know and, <laughs> and then they uh, they stepped up and then they went down there and beat Lowell eight to seven. Uh, in a game, yeah. where it, it sounded like the scoring happened in a in a quick spurt at the beginning of the game uh, where Lowell returns a, a fumble uh, for a touchdown, goes up 7 nothing. Uh, a little while later, Winnicott comes back on a, uh, a touchdown pass from uh, Frankie Brown to Tate Gosher, and then they and then Brown runs in the two-point conversion for an 8-7 lead uh, in the first quarter, and then, uh, and then the defenses, I guess, took over from there. Um, but, you know, according to, you know, the story in the, the Portsmouth Herald, uh, mentions that this was the inaugural friendship bowl. So I, I'm guessing they're, they're planning on playing this, uh, you know, over and over again or, or in the, you know, in future, uh, Thanksgivings or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Winnicott will, they'll play on, uh, what'll end up being Winnicott's bye week, you know, coming up, yeah. uh, in future seasons. But that's, uh, you know, that's exciting and, um, and, and great for Winnicott to go down there last minute and represent, uh, New Hampshire pretty well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to put that together last minute, to, to go out there shorthanded like Winnicott did, obviously we, we went over that last week that they only went out there with, what did you say, 25, 26 kids, three, three or four starters that, you know, the news was too late breaking for them to change Thanksgiving plans. They had to reissue equipment for God's sake, right? I mean, to go down there and, and pull off a one-point win – um, it, it, that's great, right? I mean, Winnicott, it's been a very, very strong program over the last six or seven years. They had a rebuilding year this year, but we, you know, we all know that they were, they were good. They were well coached. They were just young and right. taking their lumps a little bit. Um, great way to springboard into the off season in terms of enthusiasm around, you know, the lifting program and any of the other off season stuff that you try to do to generate excitement. But the thing that really struck me was, you know, obviously I didn't see the game, um, but I did see some, some, some film on it a little bit, and I read the articles. The thing that really struck me was how each side, Lowell and Winnicunit, the players and the coaches that were interviewed, regardless of the outcome of that game, they were just you could just tell how happy they were that they got to play. 
Yeah. You know, you, you could think there might have been a little bit of sourness from Lowell. Hey, we lost. And we lost to, by the way, a New Hampshire team. You know, there's always that <laughs> state rivalry right, thing where right, it's like, yeah. no, we're not going to lose to Maine. You know, we're not going to lose to New Hampshire. Um, and and it, there was none of that in the articles that I read. They were just the Lowell kids and coaches were just grateful, grateful to win a Cunet, grateful that they got to play. Nothing but praise for each other. Um, I, you know, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but I thought that was awesome. Like, that's what Thanksgiving football is all about. Like, you go out there, you strap it up, you bloody your nose for 48 minutes, but it's not personal. You know, like, it, it's, it's, it's great stuff, and you're representing your community, and you're out there playing with your family. I, I don't know. I could go on and on. But to me, I thought that was awesome, that yeah. they were just thankful that they had the game, that Winnicott had kind of come in and bailed them out. And, uh, and both sides were just, just over the moon that they had one more game to play. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great story, and and um, you know glad that that was able to to work out. And and who knows, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough call with these Thanksgiving games. You know, like you see this situation where Lowell's, you know, wants to play Winnicott. I'm sure you know wants to get another game in. As you said, they're kind of they were kind of in between this year. I think they were a little bit rebuilding with a, a you know a, a senior class that had had a lot of experience and and was in a championship game a year ago. Yeah, you know, you're not always in that situation where you're you're like, yeah, let's go play on things. You know, if if you've had a rough year, right. a disappointing right. year, you know, those couple of weeks between the end of the season and, and Thanksgiving are tough. But you know, you you don't know how if that's going to be that way until you actually are in it. So it's a yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I would love to see more of these games, um, but I can understand why some places or some you know people don't want to play them. Um, so I, I I don't know if that's a if, if I'm a little if I'm oh, excuse me if I'm fence sitting a little bit then I apologize but I, I can see no well I, no I think you're absolutely right though Joe and I think that's why you have seen these types of games ebb and ebb and flow a bit over the over the decades right and and I think also with the new format particularly for Division One uh, it's even more complicated because right. hey you're not going to sign up early for uh, a Thanksgiving Day game. And signal to the community and to your team that, well, we don't think we're going to end up playing in the championship game. So, you know, because playing on Thanksgiving when then you have, would have to turn around and play in the finals on Saturday would be a little could, bit awkward yeah, and undoable. Yeah, yeah. No, you couldn't do it, right? So, and again, right, a lot of times you got to plan these things almost a year in advance when athletic directors start talking and, hey, how do we advertise the game? I mean, again, the, the Londonary Winnicunit thing was kind of a – you know, a last minute fluky kind of thing. You, if to do it right, you want to plan it early. And, uh, I don't know how you do that as a division one team. Yeah. If, I, the, if this format continues, well, that's, that's, um, that's why those people get paid the big bucks and you and I are, yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But anyway, <laughs> interesting stuff. I like the games. I hope they come back. Um, but I understand that it's not that simple. Right. Right. All right. Well, uh, we got one other football game to talk about. Uh, this uh for this show uh and uh and it was a uh, I, I you know in the moment i always i always hate to hate to come out of a game and say oh it's the best game i've ever seen I, you know because it's it's I, I don't know how you say that i you know you and i have been been watching high school football for a long time i i'm sure there are really good games we've both forgotten about um so it's tough to say but but this is this one was up there um you know the stakes the situation you know j- that the comeback by bedford you know, I, I can't remember too many high school games that I've seen come down to 
not just the last play, or and this wasn't the last play, but but within the last seconds, uh, ending on a field goal. Um, I, I can't recall that happening too often. For me, this is probably definitely top 10, probably top five I've, I've seen live. Um, you know, and I, I heard from some other people, you know, oh, the game was sloppy, a lot of turnovers, a lot of penalties. Uh, you know what? That's true, but I don't feel like it bogged the game down. It, I, you know, uh, folks might feel differently, especially Londonderry folks, um, you know, because they ended up on the short, you know, short end of a lot of those calls. Um, but I, to me, this was this was a great way to cap the season, uh, a season that was, you know, at times unpredictable and um, just sometimes bizarre. <laughs> I don't really know how else to put it. Um, I I don't know. What do you What did you think? Did you, I mean? Does this game fit, or or is this game up there on what you would say would probably be the more incredible championship game finishes? It's got to be. Yeah. I mean. Regular season, I would say there's been so many over the years and so many great games, right, with these these kind of interesting stories. But in terms of championship football, I I can't think of one in recent memory that even comes close. Um, you know, I, I mean, the whole storyline, right, like the defending champions against the the 10 seed, right, again, to your point, we never even had a 10 seed before. I mean, you know, Ten years ago, there were there were entire divisions that only had oh, ten yeah, teams in right, them. You're right, yeah. You know, yeah. under the under the five and six division deal, right? We might not have even had a ten team division. Heck, we have divisions now that don't yeah, have yeah, ten I mean, teams I, in them. Division four had seven teams this year. Right. So you know, to have the you know starting with that storyline, uh, you know, and coming all the way through everything else, the way Bedford's defense had played through the, these playoffs. Um, you know, Londonderry has household names kind of on their offense. How is that matchup going to happen? Um, and, and then just the way the game itself shook out, it, it was it was really kind of a special special game. Um, and and I, I would put it up there, especially as, as amongst championship or even playoff games, as one of the best. Yeah, the only one I can think of that I've seen that comes close to coming down to the final play like this was probably. Uh, and and this is you know going back a little ways the 2008 um, Division One final between 2009 final no I, now I've got myself confused 2008 final between South and Pinkerton that went yes. to, went to overtime uh, and South ended up scoring um, and kicking extra point to go up seven Pinkerton turned around and scored and then because they were on like their third or fourth kicker. Uh, they ended up going for two and didn't get it, and yeah. South won by a point. That's was that the year Ferreter was the quarterback. Um, he, he uh, year after uh, David year Zaka, after okay. David Zacco was the was their was the running back for South. He actually scored the touchdown in overtime. Um, there's a a, a picture of uh, of him diving into the end zone in that overtime, hanging up uh, in or at least it used to be hanging up in the wall in the the Applebee's in Nashua. With a yeah. uh, a certain uh, podcast host standing on the sidelines, freezing his ass off, watching it. <laughs> so, Your moment of fame, huh? You're in, right? you're in the Applebee's yeah. in Nashua. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, I get a text uh, picture of uh, someone texts me a picture of it. They're like, "Hey, is that you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yep." That's, uh, 
standing next to a purple panther. Yep, that is me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it really was a great. I, I'm kind of bummed that I missed it. I'm well, more than kind of bummed. I, I had my um, my trip out to Ohio to see uh, the Ohio State Michigan game, which you know that's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. But I'm not going to lie, I was bummed when when I realized the quality of a game I had missed back here at home. <laughs> Not yeah, that bummed, but I was, I was bummed. Gonna say, I was going to say, especially since that game. Well, although that game was, uh, it, it swung a little bit in the second half. Of that that one was a, had to be entertaining too. It was, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, I. So you know, I, what were your impressions of this one? I, I, I have some of my own, but uh, I think it's only I mean, fair that you lead off. It's. It, it was. It was. Um, you know, if you had told me at halftime. I, I don't know. I didn't want to say I ever thought Bedford was out of it. Uh, but at halftime, man, it sure felt like it because, you know, they, they'd turn the ball over three times. They're down 14 yep. to nothing. Um, you know, they hadn't really moved the ball that that consistently up until the final drive of the first half. And even with that one, they, they were in good field position because Londonderry was called for an unsportsmanlike penalty after the, the second touchdown they scored, which... I, I, I honestly don't know why they call like somebody must have said something because I didn't see anything happen on the field. Um, you know, I heard someone and are coming off our, our rant last week about people in the stands. I did hear someone in the stands. yell, what is it for celebrating too much? Because I, I <laughs> honestly have no idea why they threw it. And I, I didn't yeah. going back and watching it. I didn't see either. Uh, but because of that, the kickoff gets moved back. Londonderry then kicks the ball out. tries to get an onside kick. They kicked it out of bounds. Bedford got the ball at like the Londonderry 41. But when they didn't score on that drive, they got inside the 10, didn't score. Yeah. They go into halftime down 14 to nothing. And you're giving the ball to Londonderry to start the half. I, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't want to say I thought Bedford was out of it, but it sure felt like it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that last, that last element, right. That they got the ball down in there. And, and didn't come away with a big one, um, that can hurt. And then you got to kick off, right? I think the only thing that had me thinking that maybe, uh, you know, maybe Bedford had a chance was that they did a relatively good job containing Heenan. You know, he had a couple of big plays in the first half, but they did a relatively good job of minimizing Drew Heenan, who is, you know, again, kind of a, a player of the year candidate, um, you know, really, really good. Um, but also that, you know, Londonderry had turnovers by two of its biggest players, Heenan and, and uh, Weinman had turned the ball over. Um, so that gave you a little, that, that gave Bedford a little bit of hope, I think. Um, that, hey, you know, we can, you know, there, there's, there's cracks in the dam here, so to speak. Um, and, and I think reading your article uh, that, you know, Coach Matthews kind of the way that he coached that up at halftime was exactly what you have to do. It's like, hey, we've got nothing to lose, right? Don't worry about fourteen nothing. Let's go out and let's play, right? And it sounded like they bought into that and just said, hey, you know what? Why not? I mean, you know, we've come this far. You know, we're not going to hang our heads. We've got this, and that's exactly what they did. They went out and 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 chipped away at it and used their athletes and, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, very different second half, obviously. You, you mentioned, you know, they, they I, you could, you're right. Heenan didn't have a ton of big plays. I mean, I, I had him, uh, his longest run of the day. I had it 24 yards in the first half. Uh, he also had a 34 yard completion. Um, 
you know, that set up their um, their second touchdown. Uh, but I mean, he was he they Bedford, I guess, um, you know, did a good job on him. But they he was also the only guy that was able to really do much for Londonderry. He had I had him for 86 yards rushing in the first half, four or six for 47 yards passing. Uh, you know, the thing that they they really did in the second half though was they just didn't let Londonderry have the ball. You know, they yes. you know the the turnover to start the second half. You know, Bedford then comes back and and goes on a long drive to score. You know, I had um, time of possession. I, I feel like I've been talking about this a lot in the playoffs this year, time of possession. But I had in the second half, Bedford at 14-32, Londonderry at 9-14, which in, in the 9-14 actually felt like more than than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, because, I mean, they didn't – they had three first downs uh, in the second half, Londonderry did, and one of them was on the second play of the, the second half. Um, but what I thought, you know – I mentioned that drive where Bedford um, doesn't score in the in the end of the first half. You know they had a false start on that that drive, um, the drive that they do score on after the the Londonderry fumble in the second half. They had another false start there. You know, um, you know they're scoring on third and third and goal from the seven on that drive. They had another one um, in the was it the th- early fourth quarter where they all again they get down inside the five and they or. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong... I'm trying to go over my notes here, and I'm looking at the uh, at the wrong sheet. But they had another drive that got inside the 10 as well, and and um, they weren't able to score. You know, so it looked a yeah. lot like, you know, the games that, that, that Bedford lost this year, you know, they had a lot of situations where they shot themselves in the foot. You know, turnovers, yeah. penalties, just, you know, big plays by defense. And, and they had those in this game, but they found ways to overcome them. Um, and it, and it it's probably you know it's a little cliche to say but they all of the the you know coaches and kids I talked to just kind of kept repeating it was that they just believed in each other they regrouped and and dug down and believed in each other and and found ways to get it done. Yeah, and, and the flip side of that coin is the the, the painful part for for Londonderry is that you didn't find ways to capitalize on some of those things. Um, which is a little uncharacteristic of Londonderry. I think Londonderry has done a really good job of capitalizing, uh, especially throughout the last three weeks, two, two, three, three weeks, right? They've, you know, we've mentioned the special team stuff, for example, right? A lot of that, what, what goes on with those special teams plays they made over the last few weeks is capitalizing. It's capitalizing on the other team's mistakes, right? Or field position items or what have you, right? And they weren't really able to do that this week. You know, I, I, I heard, Coach Lozon in the interview with you say it was it was hard because of that time of possession element to get offensive rhythm going, right? To establish a series, to kind of set plays up, to get a feel for you know down distance. What's a good call here based on what we've done the past couple series? Like when you don't have as much as many cracks at it, it's really hard to kind of get that rhythm. Um, you know, some people call it rhythm. I, I just call it the feel for it. You know, like. There comes a point sometimes where you're calling a game where you don't even have to look at the call sheet. You just know what the right sequence of plays in based on what's working and, and, you know, how they're matching up against you and stuff. And I can understand why time of possession can be such a weapon Um, because that's why, right? Not only the obvious that you're controlling the ball, but you're really throwing off what a lot of these offenses like to do. And a lot of these, frankly, these offensive coordinators, coaches, how they, how they like to think and get into a rhythm. It, it can become very difficult, even for the best, um, to establish yourself. So, 
So I thought that was I thought that was really good. I, I thought that um, you know you you had mentioned uh, controlling the ball and, and whatnot. Did I read the last drive was a sixteen play drive? <laughs> sixteen plays, seventy nine yards. Uh, Bedford got the ball, started at their own eleven, um, and and kicked the field goal from. Uh, oh, what yard line were they on? It was a 27-yard field goal, so they were on the Londonderry 10. Yeah. Which, I mean, that yeah, is... Unbelievable, right? I mean, yeah. who, again, right, who would have written that one? I remember I remember the big drive. Now, this is going to sound like ancient history, but I remember the huge drive that Merrimack put together against undefeated Pinkerton back in 95 to advance <laughs> to the championship was like a, you know, it was like a 95-yard drive with five minutes left sort of thing, and... You know, like I, I just those. You know, at the very end of the game, you know, how, how do you, how do you, um, how do you not think about those type of things? It's just, just awesome. But a 16-play drive against that defense. You know, you think about what Londonderry did to shut down Pinkerton, for example. You, you can't, uh, you can't underestimate how much of an effort that was for Bedford's offense to do that given the quality of that defense that Londonderry has. And, and that was coming off of a 13-play, 63-yard drive on the previous one that they scored a touchdown uh, to make it a two-point game. Um, so, yeah, they had back-to-back drives, a combined 29 plays. And and I think that's part of what, you know, you were, you're talking about with time of possession and all that. I think a little bit for Londonderry is, is panic starts to set in, too. You know, you, you look at that they had, you know, that opening drive, they fumble, they only run three plays. Bedford comes down, scores. They get the ball back, they run three plays, half the punt. Bedford gets the ball again, they go run off a nine-play drive, almost score. So then you're getting the ball again, and and you're you're like, oh my god, we got we can't mess up here. We gotta yes, we gotta hang on to the ball, and then they and then you don't, you know. So it's it's um, I I think there's a little bit of that 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 sets in as well. The other thing I want to mention too is that drive, um, the sixteen, the field goal drive, uh, sixteen play drive. Um, Bedford did that with just one timeout. They had used uh, two of their timeouts uh, in three, two timeouts and three plays on the touchdown drive before that. So they only had one left. Uh, they did a phenomenal job of getting the ball close to the sidelines and getting out of bounds. And when they didn't. You know, if they were picking up first downs, so the clock stopped. So they were getting up to the line quickly and, and getting the next playoff. Uh, they didn't use the timeout until right before the field goal. On, on it's fourth and sixth, fourth and sixth with 17 seconds left, and that's when they took the final timeout. Yeah, yeah, great clock management. Um, but I, I whoever, you know again, uh, whoever's the, the 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 I don't know if it's Coach Matthews that that's doing the clock management. Or if they've got somebody uh, over there in Bedford, but but whoever it is might want to consider sending his resume to some NFL teams because uh, there's there's quite a few pro teams that could probably use uh, someone who's who's capable of managing the clock like that. Yeah, I, I <laughs> well, Joe, I'm sure that if you provide a reference for that person, they'll uh, they'll take <laughs> it very seriously. Day. They just need to watch the tape. That's all that you know. That's all there is to it. <laughs> right, but you know, I, I think you had mentioned you, you, what you were just talking about. Um, there was there was a quote in there from Coach Coach Matthews in your article on the website, where he said almost exactly that. He said something like, "You know, we got the sense that they were just trying to hang on. Right. We had nothing to lose, and it can be very hard to win a football game like that. And you know, I I read that, and I read that two or three times. 
because he articulated something that I've, I've at times felt in my own gut as a coach or even as a spectator that there is this psychology of, you know, like we, we know we're ahead, but we're, we're just, we're just hanging on here right now, you know? And, and, and it's funny, I, I don't know how to avoid that from creeping in and kind of hurting your momentum and things like that. It's just part of sports, I guess. But I think he was dead right with that, that you, you come to a point where a little bit of uncertainty or fear or like an awareness of where the momentum is going sort of creeps in and it, it can affect your style of play. It can affect how you coach the game. And I'm talking about great, co- I mean, NFL coaches, right? right. It, it, it can affect obviously the players on the team um, and their mindset. And, and I think that's exactly what crept in here is that there was this always this sort of looming awareness of Bedford still has a lot going in their favor. And even though, yeah, it's a 14, nothing ball game at this point, we got to hang on. And I think coach Matthews was pretty brilliant to recognize that and sort of call that out and take advantage of that, you know, that psychological advantage. Because at that point, looking at the scoreboard, they didn't have any other advantages. Right. So what are you going to do? You can either hang your head and say, okay, guys, let's just chip away at it, which is, you know, not inspiring or, you know, and, and generic, or you can do what he did, which is sort of call that out. And I, I think that's, I think that's great coaching, great leadership. Yeah. Uh, Got to mention too, um, you know, some, some of those players for, for Bedford, Danny Black, uh, the quarterback, um, you know, overcame a rough first half. I think he, he threw an interception in the first half. I think he had one of those fumbles uh, that Bedford lost comes back in the second half and on, on the game winning drive he's six of 13 for 60 yards ran for another 10 yards uh on the day was 15 of 34 for 218 with the touchdown and interception and uh you know that touchdown pass going to tom uh, excuse me dom tagliaferro uh who had five catches for 64 yards all of those in the second half uh, he caught the seven-yard touchdown pass that was Bedford's first score. But he also came up with a, a, a few uh, clutch grabs on the game-winning drive. Um, three catches, uh, trying to do some math real quick, uh, which is always dangerous. Uh, 31 yards, and uh, the biggest one probably on a, a third and 10 from, from Londonderry's 25. Uh, he catches an 11-yard pass over the middle and gets absolutely drilled uh, for his efforts and, and got the wind yeah. knocked out of him and came out uh, for, for a play or two. Uh, but just a huge catch to hang on to that ball and convert that third down there. Um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, – and then he comes back and he made um, the last catch of the game to set up the field goal. Yeah, huge game. You, you know, obviously, you know, again, it, it's hard to not say that this was the snow show, especially with – the field goal at the end, but um, I thought that uh, I thought that he was a huge part of it too, right? He he opened the game with a big catch. Did not I don't mean first play, but that first drive he had a huge catch too, didn't he? Uh, um, the first no, maybe I'm just maybe I'm thinking of the score. Maybe uh, or or maybe it was <laughs> I mean, Spear. Yeah, he had a couple of catches on that drive as well, or had a catch on that drive as well, first down uh, yeah. conversion as well. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the 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 field goal, the field goal too, coming after Bedford had had an extra point blocked uh, earlier in the game too. Um, you yeah, know, and, and and they all kind of said afterwards that 
you know, field goals, they had been fine. It was the extra points that, for whatever reason, had been a problem, which is just, uh, yeah. you know, kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, he there was a, you know, again, kind of referring to your article, I thought there were some great quotes in there. There was the quote about, you know, we 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 were sort of surprised. It was it was ridiculous that we ended up having to win this game on a field goal because our kicking game had been inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, going to the coaching thing, right, it sounded like, he had talked to uh, he had talked he being Coach Matthews had talked to um, to Snow just before the kick and said, "I love you if you hit it, and we love you if you don't. Life goes on. Just go out and kick." Yeah, and that you know again, what great awareness in that moment to signal your confidence in a player in that situation, and 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 sort of let all the chatter and you know, in their head sort of die down a little bit so they can just go out there and do their job. Um, again, I thought that was, that was an awesome part of the story that you wrote. Um, good, good stuff to capture that. Yeah. You know, the other thing, Joe, that I, I wanted to point out too was, you know, it, it, it had been a different, you know, they call the playoffs a second season, and I think there's a good reason for that because um, so much changes. The, obviously, the level of intensity changes. Sometimes you're playing teams for a second time. Um, and it's obviously a do or die situation every week, which kind of changes your approach to things as well. But, you know, for Londonderry, especially for their offense, it really was a tale of two seasons. If you look at the nine games that they had, you know, uh, eight regular season New Hampshire games, and they had that one game out of state down in Rhode Island, I think, right? Yeah, Rhode Island. They averaged 36.6 points per game on offense through the regular season. And in the playoffs, they averaged just 18.6 points per game. Yeah. So that's three scores difference. Now, you could shrug and say, well, of course, you're going against better defenses and, and, you know, tougher competition and and so on and so forth, right? But still, though, I I do think that that plays into things a little bit. When you're used to being a high-octane, high-scoring in rhythm offense where everything's kind of working for you and stuff. And and then you tend to go in and, and hit that wall a little bit and everything is harder, right? Even going back to the, the, the first game they had against Merrimack in the quarters, right? That was, a, that was a lot harder. We had talked about how basically special teams won them that game. Right. And, and the week before wasn't that much different, you know, again, it, it, it's it's a different season and it's a different feel to things when you're not when you're 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 three scores off of your 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 average for several weeks in a row. So I'm gonna wonder how that affected them as well. Yeah, very. I, yeah, you're right. There there definitely was something up with with Londonderry's offense late in the season. Um, you know, not just you mentioned the points too, but I think I think we looked at that that Merrimack game. They were outgained by Merrimack in that game. Uh, yep. you know, they struggled to move the ball at times in the semis against Pinkerton. Um, so I'm, yeah, I think, I think there was just, you know, it's the kind of thing. I wonder if it's the kind of thing too. I mean, how much does, 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 you know, the, the situation get to you, the pressure. I mean, we've been talking about Londonderry being the favorite in division one this season, basically since they won the championship last year, because we knew how many right. kids they had coming back. Um, right. you know, they're coming off a title. They're only going to get better. Um, I, you know, and, and I think that plays into a little bit too, is, is just that, that pressure of being the favorite and the undefeated team and, and you're supposed to win this game. Um, you know, that's got to have an effect. 
uh, on, on you as well. I think it does. I think no matter how much you guard against it, it does. But I think the other thing that has the effect on it is you are absolutely the hunted. Uh, right, yeah. You're getting you know, everybody wants to beat Londonderry because the media won't stop talking about them. And they're the defeat, you know, the, they're the defending champions from last year, and they've got great players, and they're very well coached. So, you know, you get everybody's best effort in terms of the week of practice, the week of preparation, the game plan that the coaches put in, the film work, the scouting, all that stuff. You're taking everybody's best shot, especially come playoffs. So I think that factors into it too, right? There's a little bit of internal pressure, but I think it's even more about being the hunted. And being in that, you know, knock me, you know, what do they used to call the game? King of the mountain, right? Where, where everybody's trying to knock you off the top of whatever dirt pile you found in the playground, right? I mean, it, that's kind of what it is, right? Everybody, everybody wants to be on top of the mountain and to, to be the man, you got to beat the man. They're coming after you with their best shot. I, I think, uh, I think a lot of that factors in, yeah. right? N- none of that takes away from how absolutely fantastic a team they had this year, but it just goes to show how hard it is to win a championship. Yeah, and that's a that's a credit to what they accomplished last year when they won, and it's a credit to what Bedford had to do this year to knock them off. It's just it's so hard. You could have every piece of the puzzle in play that you think you need, and it's just, it, there's no guarantee. Um, and I think that's what makes football championships so special is that they're just so difficult to pull off. Yeah, I, I definitely. Yeah, I'm glad you you mentioned that because definitely wanted to to mention too. You know, just give a, a you know, congrats to Coach Lozon and his staff and and what they've built over there at Londonderry. You know, it's it's tough. You know, in the in the next you know the day after the week after whatever, um, you know, tough to look at it that way. But but you know, as as they get further away, I mean, this was their third championship game in the last four years. Um, you know, they they've won two of those. For a program that um, you know, I I remember Londonderry. You know, I I know we've talked about them. I you know, I went to Nashville High in the late '90s. I remember Londonderry being a dominant program. They played Nashville twice in championship games while I was in high school. Uh, yeah. You know, they they won another one a few years later. Um, you know, but we used to talk about that losing streak to Pinkerton, and and when was Londonderry going to turn the corner and. You know, then they had a, would have a couple down years here and there where they they'd only win a handful of games to get this program. I mean, I mean, it's it's completely a different culture. I feel like over there where it's you know everything's buttoned up, everything is you know they they do things most things the you know the right way. Um, they put in the effort. Everyone's dedicated to the program. I mean, I you know you go over there in the preseason, and it's like it's almost like watching a small college team. There's just so many kids out there who all want to be a part of that program, who all you know love playing there, and um, you know, and and you've seen it in the results the last you know four or five years. Um, you know, so just just where, what what Coach Lozon's been able to do over there, and and where he's been able to get that program where they're consistently, you know, one of the top teams in the States. It's, I, I just, that's a, you know, that's yeah. something to be really proud of. Yeah. yeah I, I think, I think what it illustrates is there's, I, I always like to say there's no magic formula or, or maybe better put, there's no magic bullet, right? Like right. you hear a lot throughout the state about, Oh, well we didn't have the guys or, you know, the kids don't want to play or, you know, if only we had had that guy or if we didn't get banged up at the end of the day, you just got to work your tail off. 
right. that's that's it. That's the, like if you're gonna say, hey, well, there's a magic bullet. That's it. It's not complicated, right? You've got to work your tail off as a coaching staff. You've got to work your tail off. You've got to, you, you know, and, and that's not, you know, the old school thought around what does that mean is, oh, well, you're recruiting the hallways and stuff. And yeah, there's an element to that, but that's not how it works these days. These days, it's word of mouth in the school about the experience that the kids are having year round, the off season program, the things you do in the community, the culture, the practices, the games, all that stuff. That's how players decide they want to play football these days. It's not because the coach saw you in the hallway and you were a big kid and said, Hey young man, you ought to be playing football. I mean, there's a little bit of that. The kids don't care about that stuff. They care about what they're hearing in the school from their friends and their peers about the football experiences. And is it worth all that? So it's the hard work of the leadership, that being the coaches and the, the, the captains year to year. And by the way, now I'm talking about all the successful teams in New Hampshire. I'm not just talking about Londonderry at this point, right? I'm talking about Bedford. I'm talking about Pinkerton. I'm talking about all these, these, uh, I'm talking about Sauhegan and Plymouth and, and, um, and Pelham, right? I mean, all these schools, Trinity, Campbell, you get to that point because you work your tail off. That's it. Yeah. Right. You, you get, and you realize how all those pieces fit together. It's not just about having a great practice plan or a great game plan. It, it's all those things that you just mentioned. Um, and, and it's like, I always say, right. It's simple, but it's not easy, right? It's simple to sit down and say, yeah, you know, I understand that, but it's not easy. It takes a tremendous amount of work and you've got to get the community behind you. You've got to have your, your leaders on your team behind you. And as a coaching staff, you've got to do a lot of things to get those people behind you. So there's a symbiosis that happens there. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on and on, but the point is that I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and I, I really do believe that consistency, like, like Bedford has had, like Londonderry has had, um, it comes from that just really healthy football community environment and working your tail off yeah. nonstop. It really does. Uh, there's one other thing I think that we've got to mention about this game that uh, that if if we don't, there I think there'll be some folks that uh, that would would be a uh, would would say that we're oh, and we, and we wouldn't want that. <laughs> yeah, chicken and out. <laughs> um, you know, and that's that's um that's the penalties. Um. You know, there was it was heavy the Londonderry way. They had eleven for eighty-five yards. Bedford had four for twenty. Although going back through my notes, the the four that Bedford had, three of them were in 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 huge situations. Uh, you know, where all three of them where they had you know, like I said, inside the the ten yard line, and then they had a delay a game penalty on that um that final drive too. Uh, yeah, it, which is I think why they ended up or, or in, in, you know factored into them going on that for for the field goal, uh, but for Londonderry, I mean uh, some of those were just just killers. There were two holding calls in the second half, you know that that um, you know that, that that brought back big plays that would have given the Lancers first downs and and on both of those I you know holding's one of those things. Uh, if I'm watching a game, I I can't see it live um, unless it's you know right in front of my face because I'm not I'm not watching for that. And I don't know how yeah. many fans are either. Um, you want to tell me there was holding that they missed? You want to tell me that the, there wasn't holding that they called? Sure, fine, whatever. Um, you know, the, I mentioned the unsportsmanlike penalty earlier that I don't really know what it was for. Um, but, you know, there were a couple other calls. You know, they on that final drive, they called uh, a personal foul for a hit out of bounds on, on uh, you know, Bedford's Danny Black that maybe was not, Maybe it was a little questionable, but there was one earlier in the game 
that looked blatant that they missed that they didn't call. You know, there was a pass interference call on Londonderry that that looked like it was a little questionable. One that they didn't call on that final drive that was I I don't know how they missed it because it looked like Londonderry was going to undress the kid. Um, yeah, they had such a grab on his jersey. Um, you know, and then there was a bunch of delay a game and, and, and encroachment false start calls. I mean, so it's, you know, some of those, again, the holding, the pass interference up for interpretation, you jump on, uh, for a false start, you hit a delay again. Those aren't questionable calls. Uh, right. They happen. Right. Those are objective penalties, right? Yeah. 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 Well, um, the other thing too, right. You talking about, you know, sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't, or sometimes you, you know, why the heck did you call the, the illegal block penalty? you know, by a player 15 yards away from anything that would have mattered. Uh, it, it can be frustrating. It can be really, really frustrating as a fan, as a player, as a coach. All you ask for, it's kind of like baseball when they talk about the strike zone. All you ask for is for it to be consistent. Right. I think that's the best you can hope for. You know, I mean, the, the league officials, they're just human beings. They're not NFL officials. NFL officials make mistakes. Um but what you really want to hope for as, as, as a, a coach or, like I said, a fan, a player, is that if they're going to call the game, they call it consistently, right? If they're going to let the kids battle, uh, you know, the defensive back and the, and the wide receiver battle, then do that consistently. You can't say, hey, we're going to let them play, and then midway through the third quarter be like, ah, yeah, it's getting a little out of hand now. I'm going to start flagging everything. Right. Or you can't, you can't call, you know, a holding penalty on the backside that had nothing to do with a big gain you know, around the front side, uh, and and then you know, two series later, not call that same hold by somebody else or by the other team or even by the same team, right? Like, you've got as long as you have consistency, I think you're in good shape. Obviously, in the playoffs, you never want the object, the subjective officiating to have too much of an uh, you know uh, a say in the outcome. So, I, I think my only hope on those situations would be, hey, you got to call the objective. The objective stuff. I mean, you can't right. not call a false start or an encroachment or a delay again. That just is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't give me any come on, ref, call it both <laughs> ways on those ones. Right. But some of the other stuff, I think you just got to gotta hope for as much consistency as possible. You that the way that they establish their philosophy coming in is how they're going to call the game for both teams throughout. And then, and then it is what it is, right? So, you, so what you're saying is that if, if a, a team false starts five times – you, the official can't sit there and say, "Well, I've called five on this team. I'm just going to make one up for it. that." That doesn't have that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I don't think that would be a good idea. No, no, no. with the objective penalties, not a good idea. <laughs> good to know. I think maybe I'm ready to ready to start taking some official classes. There. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, yeah, you look good in, in in the in the zebra stripes. Do not want that job. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. Um, any other any other thoughts on on this game? Um, you know, before we start wrapping up for the, for this show, um, I think we I think we hit on uh, if we did hit I, on everything. I don't know how we didn't. No, I think we said it all. It was one for the ages. Absolutely. It was uh, definitely a classic. And you know, and and the 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 stars on both teams, I think, had a chance to shine and do their thing. And that's all you can ask for, right? Like you know. It, it was a game where everybody performed to their best for the most part, um, and and it and it ended up being a really hard fought, well coached game by both sides. I, I don't think there's anything else to say. I, yeah. I think it was a great one. Uh, I, I, you mentioned ten seeds never making the playoffs before, and they've never lost a playoff game either. Ten seeds. That is in, true. Uh, that is NBA true. History four and zero. 
Uh, yep. We'll see how that holds up uh, in, in future years. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get into a little bit more on probably the on the playoff format in Division One this year and and some other things like that uh, next week as we we wrap up uh, the whole season. Um, you know, talk about what we thought of some certain things that were were changed for this year and and moving forward and uh, just some other general thoughts. Uh, I have a, I have a big one that Mike I think I messaged you about mid season that I I wanted to talk about in the final show. So uh, we'll have to make sure we talk about that next yep. week. And um, I don't know. I think that'll do it for us today. All right, that's a wrap. All right. Well, Mike, thanks again for joining me. Uh, appreciate it, and, and glad we were able to uh, to do this one more time. So am I, Joe. A lot of fun. He's Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week.